Sam Prendergast. He's Mr. Composure for the end of the game to bring a team from behind to win. You can't win anything with kids. You know, it was... I actually thought it was fantastic and I don't know if you can hold back the hype. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Hurling on Off The Ball with Bored Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Yeah, hurling, it's anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors Borg Gosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact that hurling has had on people's lives. For full competition details, visit borggoshenergy.ie forward slash home forward slash BGE dash GAA. Anthony Nash is with us this morning again. Anthony, good afternoon, good evening to you. How are you? All I'm day long. Great, I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm continuing with the Harry Redknapp vibe here of sitting in the car for the interviews. Um, I'm getting a slag in here from the lads at home about always being in the car, but I think it's just the quietest place. I'm in school. I'm just outside of school here now, so you need to wind the window down and start giving advice. I know. To I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get a you know those tripods to have it outside so I can have the arm on the window. Then we'll be laughing. <laughs> in it. Um, okay, there's lots to talk about. The hurling championship came nicely to the boil last weekend. We said it had threatened to on the opening weekend, but didn't quite get there. It definitely did last weekend. Um, now that the dust has settled and Sean Finn's crucial in- injury has come through, um, we we kind of need to calmly assess where Limerick are and maybe take away some of the preordained notions that they were going to coast through this championship. Um, so what what's the truth at the moment, do you think? I, think I, I firmly believe I had a conversation with a, um, a gentleman here in Mitchellstown yesterday or Wednesday, sorry. And he's like, Limerick are gone, aren't they Limerick are gone? And I was like, what do you mean? Like I said, they're on two points. You know, so does that mean that Tipperary and you know what I mean? I know like it's only one game Tipperary. Does that mean Clare are gone as well? They're on two points. Let's not get carried away. We can sit back and review it after months of championship and see where they are. Look, Sean Finn obviously is a huge loss um, and you wouldn't wish a crucial. I think he's second one as well on anybody. Like, you know, he's such a nice guy. Um, and not only are Limerick losing him, I suppose the country is losing one of the best defenders of viewing like as well because he, he gives great exhibitions of it. So... Um, he's a huge loss, uh, huge loss, and I know they're replacing with Mike Casey, which is almost like for like in ability, but just takes that option away for me because I was wondering would they, with the three week gap, maybe have Sean Finn cornerback, Mike Casey fullback, Dan Morris in the wing, and maybe look to push Kyle Hayes back up the field, um, to kind of you know revitalise a bit of energy and stuff. But um, they lost the game. That's it. I wouldn't be getting overly carried away. They have a three week gap to their next one, so I'm sure they are now licking their wounds and uh, listening to the outside of that they're gone, they're dusted, that whatever, like, you know. Um, but I, I wouldn't get overly carried away with the negatives. Yeah, it's like all the great teams always have setbacks at various stages along the way or they get they get threatened by something or a challenge arises that we hadn't foreseen. Sometimes it's disciplinary, sometimes it's just noise, uh, sometimes another team rises up and pushes them to the pin of their collar. And how Limerick respond to this is going to be one of the great stories of the summer because if, if they succeed, it's incredible. And if they fail, well, you know, they're still an incredible one of the all-time great teams, but uh, no doubt they'll be back because of the age profile. But it, it definitely doesn't feel... I'm not writing them in a pen the way I was that it was guaranteed that they'd be in the All-Ireland Series after Cork's performance and Tip's performance and now Clare's performance. Um, yeah, I'd be still the opposite. Um uh, I, I always, and I think I said it in the show last week. Clare and Limerick is always a tough one, no matter what, no matter whichever team is going well. I kind of, I, I kind of spoke about Tip and Tip and Cork rivalry. Clare and Limerick rivalry is always, you know, bitter. And last year's Munster final showed that, like when Clare took him to extra time, could have beaten them, um, and look what happened after that. I, I think the thing with Limerick is that look, they are just looking now that they have two games left to get 
three points to mathematically guarantee it and two might even do it, you know. Um, and they've got Tipperary and, 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 uh, Cork. But like, I think for me regarding Cork and Tip, I think Saturday night is huge. I think, you know, I think that's to, to follow up, especially here in Cork. Like, and this, I'm talking about my teams here as well, Joe. Consistency was always something that we didn't, we didn't, um, back up and consistency and work ethic. If they can do what they did against Waterford against Tipperary, then yeah, I think they're in the, they're in the frame, right? But, um, I, look, I'm still believing that Limerick will be one of the three going out. You called it months ago that um, people would be upset with the uh, hangover from the old Cork teams and that there wasn't going to be an entirely new side of, of unknowns uh, playing for Cork this season. And uh, that consistency and that experience uh, was kind of central to the team's performance last week, while there was also an infusion of new blood. They've managed the, the, the period of um, changing the team without changing the team too much very well so far. But it's that bit where the uncertainty and consistency comes from, isn't it? Because we don't know, we don't know what we don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. And Pat Ryan will say the same thing as well. Like you know, um, I, I text him after the game saying congratulations. I got a text back. Look, it's only one game, and that's the way they need to be looking at it. And no matter like we always looked at the same way, but it was just can they bring the same intensity? Like Liam Cahill has also done a very similar job in Tipperary, where he's also blended a lovely bit of you know the Noel McGraths in with the younger players, the Brian O'Mara's and stuff like that. And so, so I think Carker. Corker on a similar vein there where they have like Brian Roach now is after showing that he is an inter-county hurler at the highest level um, on top of mixing with the Damien Cahillans and that as well and I'm sure the likes of Owen Downey now is available I'm sure he'll come into the team on, on Saturday night as well so like you've got uh, a good mix and their injuries have come back just the right time like Dara Fitzgibbon hadn't played a game uh, throughout the league next thing all of a sudden he storms into it Robbie O'Flynn has come back Shane Kingston has come back so um, like you know you've got a great bench now which is massive for Cork and keep the energy levels up um, and that's why I think Saturday night's huge for, for both Tip and Cork to find the consistency again uh, We we were talking during the week about um, Ben O'Connor being the man uh, I meant the manager um, just his post-match interview I was like everybody's going to play for this guy everybody is going to play for this guy and sure enough they are but it did it did um, feed that conversation about the style of play that the Cork team that himself and his brother played on and how that was birthed really in Newtown Shandrum and their dad was the architect of that style of play and it did get me thinking about your column today where you were talking about the rivalry between Cork and Tip Cork and Tip people let's be honest we hold ourselves in a certain regard and um, I do wonder if maybe there was something there was an element of Newtown Shandrum not doing that they were like okay we just need to do something completely different here to, to try and wrestle control and that maybe Cork had that for a while, but they've gone away from it a bit. Am I, am yeah, I making sense? A hundred percent. Like, like for me, I'm always a believer. Maybe no, and you can correct me if I'm going back on your point incorrectly. But um, Newtown looked at what their strengths were. Bernie was, I'd say, I would have hated to play it under Bernie because it was running, and you had to be fit to play hurling, like you know. And uh, there was a story there, and uh, our S and C coach Cahill O'Brien actually told a great story. It was like, uh, you had to do a lap, let's say, in a minute and twenty, right? And if you didn't make it. You had to do it again and get under a minute twenty. You didn't stop till you got under a minute. But sure, like every lap you did, you were getting slower. So you were basically going and going and going. And he looked at that style of play. Like he had, like Ben and Jerry were just incredible athletes on top of amazing hurlers. Like and built a team around speed and hand passing. And it developed into the Cork game in in the early thousands. Like you know as well. And for me and Cork at the moment, I think we've definitely gone away from like our strength was pace, ability, skill. We were never the biggest. We were never the strongest. We were never going to aerially duel with another team. And there was no point looking otherwise. And I feel that Pat has brought something back in where a bit of steel and determination. And someone said to me about Brian Roach before. 
he look, he's not always going to play well, but you know you're going to get the other side of the game off him. He's going to hunt, he's going to harry, he's going to do whatever. And I love that kind of player. That Look, you mightn't get to 10 out of 10 going forward, but you're going to get to 10 out of 10 going backwards. And I definitely believe that that's Pat's mantra at the moment, um, that if you're willing to work hard, we'll look at you very seriously. And, uh, you know, then the more you move, the more the ball comes around you. So I think they've gone back into the kind of using their strengths. And in Cork, we have pace. You know, vicious pace, like, and that, you know, that's we're very blessed with that thing as well. And I thought against Waterford the last day, the movement and the pace was just electrifying to see. Now, I know, look, Waterford were, were just, Jesus Christ, it bemused me. I didn't know what was going on at times with them, but, uh, but I, I do think that we're kind of gone back to that kind of a running game of Cork, yeah. Well, so like leaning on the, the talent that you have and also a little bit of the history and identity of, of what, where the success came from. In Cork, is it? Now, at the moment, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Pat Pat has obviously developed this team, you know, in under 20s. They have 220. I know the COVID all Ireland's happened six weeks after another, like, you know, as well, and that kind of stuff. But, like, the one thing about Cork is we've always kind of had, you know, uh, green shoots. We've always had young talent coming through. Um, and we've always been there, there about an underage hurling. But it's just developing them through that next step. Conditioning is the biggest thing that we kind of probably struggled at compared to other counties. If you looked around, now these guys are just getting bigger and stronger. County board have teams on programs early on, so they're coming back in and ready to play into county hurling at, at an earlier stage. And that's why Pat has no handed over players, or sorry, being handed over players that are ready to go for him. Um, and you know, allow with their their skill in hurling. But look, Cork will always produce young talent. Um, it's a huge county, and the passion down here for hurling is is just, you know, second to none. Like, you know, anywhere you go, you see the street, young fellas walking with hurlies in their hands. Uh, the size of this game is massive, obviously, because now after the first two rounds, it's quite possible that Waterford lose all their games. It's, you know, it's not it's not written in, in pen yet just either, but it is possible that everybody beats Waterford. And so therefore, you have to beat one of the other teams to try and nail a place uh, in the All-Ireland series, let alone the Munster final. So all of a sudden, the rivalry that you've spoken about between um, Tip and Cork, which is very intense and very romantic, is uh, is ratcheted up even further. So uh, this is an absolutely massive game. You're smiling, George. You're not believe what I said. <laughs> I, I, I love romance. <laughs> very good. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's huge. I think it's massive. I think it was very big for Cork last week to get their first win, right? Because home games are vital in this. You lose, you're going to Tipperary at home. So that's the first box tick. But Pat would also know that I, I believe whoever wins this gets out of Munster. That's that's how big this is for me. Um, like if, for example, let's say Tipperary win. Cork have to go away to Clare and away to Limerick, who are now not guaranteed a Munster final. So we'll be really doggy dogs trying to get into that Munster final. You're also Tipperary have to play. I know Watford were saying, right, but then you've got like Davy Fitz and Liam Cahill again and whatever like that. But, you know, you let's assume Tip win or whatever like that. Tip also have to play Limerick. So this, both sides are looking at this as their opportunity to get the four points on the board and put themselves as firm favourites to get out of Munster. And you know what? I know everyone will just say, oh, I'd love to win a Munster title. Down here at the moment, I think, get out of Munster. Just get out and get into that Ireland series is the main job. And then look, if you can make a Munster final, albeit a bonus, but... Um, it's just so competitive, uh, you know, that you just don't know who's going to get out of the four. No, we'll assume if Waterford lose yet. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the fact that um, a really, really good team won't be available or allowed to play in the All Ireland series this year? Yeah, it's first happened over the last few years. I know Tipperary and Waterford last year, wasn't it? Um, they probably weren't at their finest, um, but still two teams that have the calibre of player to contend. Um, I think this year definitely more so because I really thought Watford were going to come stronger in the championship, right? That was my own opinion. I was wrong. Um, no, they're still not out mathematically. I understand that, like, but 
Um, you're either going to have, you know, of my idea, like probably Galway, Kilkenny, fair enough, like, but top six teams, the four of them would be in it, wouldn't they? Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think this might be the first year that it's been very clear that there was a gap in, in previous years. There was a surge maybe from Dublin or a surge perhaps from Wexford, like, you know, and Wexford obviously justified their their place at the, at the top table when they um, reached the Leinster final, and that's fair play. Um, but this this year, it's egregious. It's like clear as day to everybody that a, a genuine All Ireland contender won't be allowed to play for the All Ireland. Yeah, big time, big time. and they are, and all four of them are. You know, you know, like I know, like we're like the funny thing is, I always love in Cork, like when you win the first league game, the tweets start going up, booking the Burlington for September or booking it for July. Now, of course, like, but you know. Like we still can't get carried away and say all Ireland and contenders and the Tipperary are you know all Ireland contenders yet. Like you know they've had you know great wins and stuff like that. But like whichever team do win on Saturday night have shown that they have a bit of consistency about them and that they're ready to go. Like and if one of those two teams, for argument's sake, don't make it, like Jesus, you'd be very kind of as a support, you'd be very disappointed that they weren't challenging for a new competition. So there's always that question: Do we create two competitions? Do you create a kind of a league where you, you know, uh, mix the two provinces in together and you try and go straight for all Ireland and stuff like that? And like, there's always change in the GA. Like, and like I always say this, and it's and I'm not sitting on the fence. I always believe whatever makes the GA better and whatever makes hurling better is is what I always wanted. So if it was a case of that, but and again, like I've, I always cherish my Munster medals. Maybe it's because I don't have an All Ireland one. I have to, <laughs> but like I always think it's a fantastic competition. Yeah, I, I, I think in in hurling it's a different case from football, where the Munster hurling championship has, uh, you know, it's got its storied place in, in folklore. Um, I, I do think there's probably a fairly easy fix where your results in the Munster Championship and your results in the Leinster Championship are then collated into a, a table and you seed a draw after that but everybody gets at least one more game to prove that whether or not they're like a wildcard weekend style in, in the NFL where you know you're grandfathering in a team on the basis that some sometimes something happens early in a season and uh, the best team gets knocked out and it's not good for the competition but um Maybe we can come back to that after the season when there's not stuff to talk about. I, I think I think you're like the biggest problem you're going to have there is you're going to have, like it's 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 the window, it's the intercounty season. I think, and that's something you're going to eventually have to look at. Then again, maybe you know, as I always believe, like maybe bring the league back and bring the championship back and make it longer throughout the year. Do you know what I mean? But it's that's that's another total new debate. Like, but again, like it's something that you're going to have potentially a Limerick Clare uh, tip or uh, Cork supporter sitting down in what is it May. Finished in May, do you know what I mean? In the May, doing nothing. Like, imagine if Limerick don't get out of, of Munster. Mm. It would be madness for the whole championship. It would, And there's a, there's a, a decent chance. It's like, I mean, they're still favourites for the All-Ireland, but there is a, a chance that it happens now because, um, you know, the other teams are definitely getting closer to them, it seems. Can we go back to the Sean Finn issue? And, and obviously, um, Mike Casey comes in and that's grand, but the change that you were talking about, putting Kyle Hayes back into the forwards, is there another way for them to do that, do you think? Yeah, Mike Casey, Richie English. And uh, Dan Morris, he goes to wing back, and then Kyle Hayes comes up the field and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's why our Kyle Hayes goes up. But like, look, it's a positive headache for Limerick to have a Kyle Hayes, but it's also a headache. Like, where's his best position? He's fantastic in both places. But like, if you're looking at Kyle Hayes, Garrod Hegarty, uh, Tom Morris, you're a Keenland, depending on how they form the rest of the forward line. Like, Jesus Christ, he's just an, an absolute mammoth of a man. But um, you know, then you're always wondering, can you put someone back from midfield? I, I think they'll persist with him at wing back for the simple reason, unless Keen Lynch is injured. If Keen Lynch's injury keeps him out for longer, then that headache might come into them. Um, you know, and but the big thing for me is that now that Sean Finn is gone, right? 
it's just one less option, you know what I mean, like that they have from the bench. Like, and you know, there's a lot of comments going around that their bench isn't as strong. I do believe Adam English now will start appearing more that they're out of the twenties. Um, so I think that'll strengthen up their forward line option in as well. And obviously having like Richie English, who's an amazing cornerback and probably would get on most teams all over the, the country as well as huge cover. But I was wondering, like when Kyle has done so well at centre forward, is it a case of maybe looking at him up there again? Because like at a wing back position, he's an attacking threat, but at centre forward for me, he's just, I just know how you mark him. Like, you know, um, and then, as I said, like you find a position like Keen Lynch, obviously like has to play like, but, um, you know, so that's the other headache. Didn't like out of the seven, like you know, where are you going to put Keane Lynch back into midfield? Potentially, Darrow Donovan goes back. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I I think Kyle Hayes causes more headaches at centre forward for opposition than he does a wing back. Have uh, is there enough evidence now from the first two games that the success of the Limerick puck out is going to be slightly off uh, the high heady heights that it has been over the last couple of years because teams are being more aggressive in the number of plans and the number of options that they're using against them. Basically, are, are teams getting better at working with Limerick's puck out than they have been in previous years? So what I remember from Limerick in the early, like when Sean, Sean Donnell first went down in 18, 19, they were looking for those midfield puck outs like we were trying to do. They were trying to vary their puck outs. Now it's you go to the full back line if they allow it. Barry Nash will be my case, you know, and uh, uh, Dan Morris or whoever's back there have the ability to give that pass. So they don't mind that. When they go along, it's not even winning it naturally. They, they just want to be in a position where they turn you over. If they're not going to win it, they're going to turn you over. And I think that's what they need to start working back on again because, like, I think direct puck outs or, like, primary possession puck outs are very slim and hurling anymore. Like, how many clean catches do you see when a fella lands and he's off? He catches, he gives a hand pass, or he's bottled up. But it's the secondary ball is where they were starving upon for the last few years where they're saying, right, get it up the field, it hits the ground, and we'll fight for that break. Um, but, like, I look, to be honest now, right, I tell you no. Maybe I'm just saying it because I just have played against them. I think the three-week gap is probably not good for opposition. They'll go in, oh, they'll lick their wounds. They probably had a weekend off. Do you know what I mean? They probably went away and had a few points switched off. Um, you know, and now we're going to regroup and look at this from, from you know, a three-week perspective and then they're going playing uh, Tipperary next like So, uh, puck outs-wise, I don't believe that they're gone about winning direct ball more than the secondary ball, I think, is what's more important to them. And the turnovers of opposition is what they're going to starve upon again. Like, you know, but um, look, I wouldn't be writing them off anyway. I still, I still think that they're... And rightly so, favourites. Like, look, they've lost one match, like, and and you know what, right? People are basing it off the Waterford performance as well. Like, like Waterford are very good on the day, and you see Waterford the week later with Cork. Like, were Waterford that bad, or had they just emptied the tank completely? And then you know, uh, you know, there's loads of things. So it's just one game, one loss. Don't throw the baby out with bat water just yet. So you think there might have been a bit of a psychological hangover as well as a physical one from Waterford putting Limerick so close? Um, I don't think playing. Right, so with Waterford, right? Normally with Waterford, they crowd the defensive zone and they make it horrible to play against. Like you know, they've extra man tied the Burkas. Normally they're a huge loss. Now, don't get me wrong. But what bemused me was they allowed Shamie Harnady, Connor Lahan, the likes of them space in front of them. Like and Darif is given in the first five six minutes of three points. Like I was just kind of going, "Geez, where's the space coming from?" So it was just look as if. Cork had out tactically taught them, which is quite possible. You know what I mean? Um, or they just didn't know where they were at in the race themselves, but. Like to give up a lead like that to Cork and allowing them the pace and space in Parky Keeve, you can forget about it. Like, you know, um, that's the one thing we possess down here is that ability to move and like the likes of Darif has given, give him space, Lahan space and Shamie Hardy and Hoggy space. And like, you might as well forget about it. Like, um, so I was, I was just a bit amazed with their tactics and I wouldn't have had Caleb Line centre back either. Um, because like you were asking him to do the tight to Burka role where he's kind of covering and sitting when you want him as an offensive threat. No, it's Grant. Who else do you put in there? I don't know. 
you know what I mean? Would it have been Austin Gleeson straight from the start or something like that and get him to sweep across? But uh, I was just a little bit amazed what Watford did tactically because I watched it because with our conversation today in mind, I was kind of going, geez, I don't know what they're at. Is there, is there something in, in Waterford about the group stages? Like, Arthur was making the point to me before we came on, three separate managers now and their record in the group stages is terrible. Ken McGrath put up a tweet saying that they've won one, is it, since 70? I know, I know two years and they made the All-Ireland for the for the COVID without the thing, but like there has to be something wrong down there because they are a good bunch of players. They're a very talented bunch of players. Like So like I don't know, be it that the relationship with the managers, I said to you at the start, I thought it was very strange that they went from one, what I would call autocratic manager in Liam Cattle where it seems to be driven, driven, driven and then handed it over to another one that's driven, driven, driven. Do you know what I mean? No, I know both managers are very good man managers also but after having a bust up with a manager last year and players seem to, to go and hand it to another one who I still have very much time for I just thought it was a little bit little bit strange so I don't know is it a case of the players are not able for it uh, the management haven't been suited or is there something missing but like they're a seriously talented bunch of players that are just you know underachieving We've another couple of weeks to, to think about that and, and to come back to that as well. But just to get into the matchups between Cork and Tip, the, the Cork team has been named. I don't know if anybody thinks that um, there'll be any changes or significant changes to the, the team that's named against Tip. Um, what do you, if you're, if you're in the uh, Cork Brains Trust or in the conversations that you're having with people, what are you concerned about in terms of the damage that Tipperary can do to this team? Jason Ford, for me, is the kingpin for them at the moment. Um, Noel McGrath obviously dictates the play in the middle of the field. So, like, the thing about Tipperary, what I like with Liam Cahill, he's after getting six defenders that can hurl. They can all hurl and deliver that ball out, you know. They're, like, give him a standing strike and it's going to be pinged into a fella's hand. Carl Varrett, Brian O'Mara, uh, Ron O'Mara, all those. So, fantastic hurlers. Move it out to the middle third, then you've got Noel McGrath, who's just, like, an absolute genius with a ball, like, you know, and will make the ball talk. Consistency in Jake Morrison's side, but for me, it's, uh, I think Jason Ford on his day is just... Jason Ford can rack up 212, 213, I know, with freeze and stuff, but he can rack it up with, with, uh, at an ease. So I think if, if Cork can tie him down, especially, um, like you've obviously got the likes of Grodo Connor, you could go through, in fairness to Liam, he's had to building a very strong, good team, but I just think Jason Ford for me was always a player I looked at that on his day, he is just, um, so influential, you know, because he can mix it up. Like he could get a ball 20 yards out and it's in the top corner before you know where it is. His wrists are so, so good and he can fly out to the 70 yard line, pick a ball up and have it over the bar before you know where you are as well. So, the one, the one thing for me is is not allowing Noel McGrath get his head up and uh, and tying down Jason Ford. At the start of the league, I uh, googled his age and uh, he's twenty nine. I was like, I didn't, I didn't quite realise. But like, is it possible? I mean, it's it's def- definitely possible that players can reach their peak at like very late twenties, early thirties, and have three or four years sweet spot where this is as good as he's ever going to be, as opposed to somebody who you know we've we've seen him rack up massive scores in the league for ages. But yep. to be the main man in championship for whatever reason it has arrived at this point now, and from to fulfil that potential, um, it's not unusual, but it's a bit unusual. Yeah, no, no, especially with a guy with his ability, because he's had that ability all his life. Um, I just think there's a blend around him now at the moment, where Liam is after getting a couple of workers hard, very hard and high in there, and likes them, the hard working fellas that will just go get the ball, give him the best play, and just allow him to do his freedom and he's after stepping up like Seamus Callan isn't around John O'Dwyer isn't around he now is for me the leader of that forward line and uh, look if he cherishes it and relishes in it he's going to become an even better player but he's just uh, for me I think if Cork can keep him quiet as possible then, then there'll be a good way to the battle yeah. We started this conversation about how well uh, how much space Cork had had against Waterford presumably Tipperary will have looked at that and gone okay uh, we can't do that lads mm. Mm, I just think that any team that 
anything to look at Cork. Look, like Tipperary's strengths is their hurling ability, their their strike passing. Kilkenny's is their intensity on top of their work rate with with a lot of hurling. Limerick have got the mix of it all. And when you look at Cork's strength, it's pace. You know, it's just pace and Pat has him using that defensively as well, where they're coming back and tackling and everything like that. So pace and hurling. So of course you're going to look at that and just say, right, well, we can't allow Cork at a run on us or whatever like that. And Liam Cahill has coached and managed teams in underage hurling where he had one crack off Cork, Cork beat him. And next thing, all of a sudden, he's just, you know, um, manufactured a, a winning performance the next day out. So it's a very interesting sideline battle as well, where you've had two very successful under 20 and 21 managers coming up against each other at the senior grade as well, with a lot of the players that they would have brought through, you know, as well. Um, but I, I think Tipperary will know what they've got to do. Like, you know, you've got to stop the run early uh, with Cork and stuff like that. And I think Pat will also know that too. Pat's come across Liam Cahill multiple times um, and he'll know he'll have a plan B in his thing as well. But it's very easy for me to sit here and say, and you say, how would you do it? But going and doing it in the park is the second thing. Like, it's a big, fine, wide open field, very similar to Crow Park. You get the ball zipping around there and Cork will exploit you. And uh, hopefully so. Why does this one matter so much? Nah, look, I, I, you mentioned my piece there a while ago. Like, when I was growing up, it was always Cork and Tip. Like, you know, like I supported Limerick as a young fellow because of my uncles and stuff. But when I started getting involved with Cork teams, it was Cork and Tip and Cork and Tip. And we were judged off Cork and Tip games. You know, underage hurling, like if you got a challenge match against Tipperary, they always seem to put out the strongest team against them because they wanted to put you up against the, the best. You know what I mean? So there's that. There's the two managers who have been very successful under 21 hurling, um, you know, who have shown that their teams are willing to play for them and follow them. And sure, then the biggest thing of all is that the winner gets out of Munster for me. And uh, I think that's why it's so big. Plus, Saturday night down the park, like, this is just made for it, like, and the GA need to be feeding into this, like, you know, like creating events like this more often. Like, you're going to have Cork City is going to be hopping, buses and trains will be coming from Tipperary, pubs and bars and restaurants around the, around the city are going to be booming, like blue and yellow walking through town. It's just class. Uh, you love romantic. You love, you said you love ro- uh, romantic. You know, there you go. You can't have it more romantic. You're going to have, you know, the city hopping, getting ready for a nighttime event under lights and in in great weather. And you know, and next thing the whistle goes and the romance is over and they're baying for blood. <laughs> it's just a kind of a a horror movie with a tinge of romance in it. <laughs> That's a brilliant description. Uh, and have you special memories of uh, wins and defeats? Uh, well, yeah. I think 14 was the hardest one for me because we had just come off 13, uh, losing the All-Ireland Final, winning Munster. And, uh, you know, we had the five-week layoff, which wasn't. Look, it's no excuse, but like we were going very well in training. I think Jimmy pulled training early once or twice. We were going so well. Like, and next thing we just temporarily pulled us apart above in Crow Park. And... Um, Darren Gleeson put on a parkour performance that day that was just unreal like you know uh, and they just got a front foot there and they just basically beat us and it kind of just dashed our hopes 16 was disgusting I think we went to the sweeper for the first time ever um, and it was just horrible like it was just a wet rotten day and they just dogged us out um, my last ever game for Cork was against Tiptown Gaelic Crownsville getting pissed upon in Covid so that was nice as well so I have loads of great memories Jar. <laughs> the one good one was 17 All right, yeah, I was going to say you, you reached for the bad ones first there yeah, I did, yeah. So you always start with bad news and go to the good news and then you've seventeen, obviously, when Pat Pat was our coach at the time, like and just created a game plan where we felt we could get at Tipperary a small bit and it worked a treat. And uh it just after seventy after sixteen going so poorly, being able to put up a performance like that was huge for us and it just set us off that year. But they're always great games and you know what I loved about him, John, I mean this though, and Bonner Matter for me always epitomized it. Win, lose, draw, hitting, thumping, whatever, he was the first guy up to shake hands after the game. There was always a respect between the two counties as well. Like, you know, while the ball is thrown in, as I said, you're bang for blood, but very respectful, um, very respectful um, rivalry there. And I always felt he epitomised it because he's one guy that was belting your shins, kicking you, hitting you, thumping you. And then straight after the game, he'd come up and shake your hand. 
that's um the ultimate sign of respect <laughs> in some yeah. cultures it's a sign of love it uh, and it certainly <laughs> seems to be uh, what was so special about Gleason's puckouts those days because uh, you're not the first person I've seen mention that in the last couple of weeks and um, somebody else said it was like the all time great puckout performance yeah it was yeah in fairness though like we can look back at I don't look back at those games maybe we look back and our setup wasn't as, as rich as it could have been um, but his ability to just drill the ball within his own half and it was something we weren't expecting really I suppose you know, we were always expecting Tipperary to go long, knock it down and break through, and then he just varied up his puck out. So it was a variation of short and long, um, you know, and uh, just pinged the ball into the hand. It was just one of those days where everything he touched went to gold, and uh, it really gave Tipperary, like, especially their half-back line of the matters and, you know, whatever like that, and even getting the ball to Brendan Maher, just a front foot where you can't give the likes to Tipperary. As I said to you a second ago, you give Tipperary players a chance to stand, look and strike a ball, it's in your eye before you know where it is. And... Uh, and, and unfortunately that day that's what happened to us um, Just a, a quick one Waterford's round robin record is played 14 won 1 drawn 1 lost 12 Yeah There has to be kind of a there has to be a look at that like uh, if I was the Waterford County Board now I'm kind of sitting down here and kind of going right what is the story plus I, I saw a tweet there their underage success hasn't been amazing no either the last years in as well I think in minor in the 20s this year I don't know that they win a game. I might be incorrect on saying that, but that's something you need to look at from the top down and say, right, what are we doing correctly? What are we doing incorrectly? Like, and kind of say, look, like I'm a believer in this. I always say this, like, I want all the top teams to remain at the top table. You know, um, we need them. We don't want to happen what happened to the likes of Offaly, like when they were winning all Ireland's next thing, all of a sudden, you know, they drop away. Like, um, so... Watford need to but like they have a golden age of players that's what gets me like they're golden age of hurlers that I just think there's something amiss there I don't know what it is like obviously from the outside like you know and having worked first hands with the likes of um, Pat, um, Fitzy down in UL and uh, Mikey Kiley they're great hurlers great hurlers you know unbelievable players like and just to see it in that they're just not putting it through at the, as a team at the highest level I just don't understand what it is Yeah well we wait and see uh, if everything goes right for Cork it's still a possibility that everything goes right for Tip and Tip are just slightly ahead of them this weekend but if everything goes right for Cork what's the winning score here what do, how, how do you predict this one to go? A high scoring oh, it is between the two teams I think a 220 something to a 120 something I think is going to be what it is I just think the atmosphere will lead to that in as well like you know I think it's going to be a cracking game I, I love the fact that it's a Saturday night game down the park be it in Torless or the park Saturday night games just allow people to get the trains up early have a couple of drinks relax um, you know mix with each other and just bring a brilliant evening of hurling like you know and I think it's just brilliant I just it, it is an exciting fixture like you know um, and uh, yeah, really romantic as you say Appetite suitably wet Anthony great to have you back thanks a million cheers very much for it. thank you Hurling on Off The Ball with Board Gosh Energy Hurling it's anyone's game